Well, good morning, Hope Community Church. I hope you're doing well today. Uh, summer is here, and we're uh, beginning to experience the very first steps of life going back to normal. And uh, that's a phrase we've heard a lot over the last few months. And it's this idea of, of us beginning to go back to normal. Years ago, uh, Angie and I we were hanging out at the mall, and we decided as we were walking, we saw we saw a pet store, and we decided to go into that pet store. Now we had been talking about getting a dog for a long time, but nothing serious by any means. And uh, we we came across this pet store, and, and we decided to walk in. Now, how many of you know that was our first mistake right there, right? Because we got into this pet store. And we saw the cutest, most adorable Cavachon puppy we had ever seen. And next thing we know, an employee is coming over and, uh, and he's asking us if we would like to hold this puppy. Everyone say, it's over. It's over. And it was. It was over. And next thing we know, we are buying a brand new puppy. We left the store, we got everything we needed, and we got home. How many of you know that puppies take a lot of work? They do. They take a lot of work. And uh, especially for us, because we had purchased this puppy in the middle of winter, and it was cold outside, and there was snow on the ground. And you can imagine us going outside in the cold and the snow to potty train this little puppy. Uh, Hadn't thought about that, right, when I bought the puppy. But, you know, nevertheless, that's where we were. And, um, and it actually got even harder. It actually got even worse. Because within about 48 hours, our, our little puppy um, was, was really at the point of being so sick, it was almost dead. And we, so, we looked at this little puppy couldn't move. It was struggling to breathe. And we instantly called a vet. We took it into the vet. And uh, the vet said that our puppy had Giardia. And uh, right there, guys, that's why you don't buy a puppy at the pet store. So we paid the price to save this puppy's life. But, you know, to be honest, after all of this, after all we were going through, we were spent. And we were beginning to ask ourselves, how can we go back to normal? And so what we did is we took out and we posted it online. And uh, next thing we know, we had people wanting to buy this Cavachon puppy. And one of the coolest things about this story is that uh, a family from our church saw the ad and they came over. This family had a couple of little girls and the girls fell in love with this puppy and, uh, and there was a lot of sadness letting that puppy go. But I got to tell you, I was blessed and I was happy because I knew our little puppy was going to be raised in a Christian home. Yes, it's true. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, and we did, you know, we did after that. We went back to normal. But how many of you know that sometimes in our life we can go back to normal, but we have to acknowledge that there are also times in our life where we can't go back. Right? There, are, there are experiences that we go through that forever change us. Maybe you've had an experience like that. Maybe it was something 
amazing. You, um, you know, that moment when you got married and it forever changed your life. Maybe it was something that was negative. Maybe you lost a family member or there was a, a, a break in a relationship and it never was the same. And my question today is after what we've been through together, how do we get back to normal? It's something we hear a lot all the time, going back to normal. How do we get back to normal? We've been uh, talking over the last few weeks about coming back to church and regathering for in-person worship. And um, we're looking at opening up our church. It's been about 14 weeks that we've been apart. And, uh, you know, when I think about that, guys, I am jumping for joy. I couldn't be more excited. I mean, I want to do Psalm 122.1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so I want to celebrate. I want to praise God. I can't wait for that moment. I miss all of you. But if I look at my heart, if I were to open my, my heart just right now for you, my heart is breaking over some of the trauma that we have lived through over the last season. 2020 has been one of the most traumatic years of our lifetime. And it hasn't just been one trauma, but two traumas. And when I think about living through this pandemic, being quarantined in our homes, and even now as we begin to, to get out a little, you know, I am grieving the loss of normalcy. I'm grieving socially distant distancing from people. I don't like it. I'm grieving this new normal. I know a lot of us today, I mean, we're saddened by this normal that we find ourselves in. And then I, I, you know, you have the deaths now of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and just that horrific situation and the violent protests that followed. And, um, And I'm grieving that. We here at Hope, we're, we're a multicultural church family, multiracial church family. The Vincent family, we're a multiracial family. And so we as elders, as leaders and pastors of this church, we have been challenged to have hard conversations and difficult conversations. And we've had those conversations, but we don't want to be silent, church family, about violence and injustice and racism. We want to be a church that bleeds over these issues. So when I think about what we've been through, when I think about some of the the pain and the trauma and the tragedy of these last few months, I'm thinking about coming back to normal. There's a whole mix of emotions. So I just want to open up that conversation today. I want to open up a conversation with this church family about this whole idea of going back to normal. I mean, it is a cool season, right? Stores are opening up. Um, you know, beaches are opening up. My family went to the beach. What a, what a wonderful experience that was. Here at Hope, we're going to open up the doors of this church. We're going to begin to regather as a church family. What a moment to celebrate. Right? But, but as we come back, things have changed. The world isn't the same that it was. And that's the paradigm shift happening right now in all of our lives. We're coming back and yet the world is a different place. And in the midst of the unrest, there are very real emotions in our heart that need to be processed. It actually reminds me of a story in the Old Testament. 
And it's a story in the book of Ezra. And I want to invite you today, if you have a Bible, go ahead and, and open it up to the book of Ezra. Um, in, in Ezra, if you know the story of Ezra, in Ezra, God's people are gathered at an altar. And, um, and it's, it's an altar at a site where there used to be a great temple. That temple was completely leveled, destroyed, burned to the ground in 586 BC when uh, the Babylonians invaded. And, and not only was the temple destroyed, but the entire city of Jerusalem was leveled to the ground. So we think this has been a bad year. I mean, that was a bad year, 586 BC. All God's people in Jerusalem were taken into exile in Babylon. Here we are in Ezra, okay? And now it's been it's 50 years later. They're gathered at an altar. The altar has been rebuilt at this site where the temple once stood. They've laid a new foundation for this temple. And what's interesting is you're going to see the story is that as people are coming back and they're regathering, they're realizing that what they're experiencing now isn't what was. But what it is, is it's God's people coming back. It's God's, it's the city opening up and it's God's people beginning to worship him again for the very first time in 50 years. And I want you to hear the emotion of this moment. So listen to this story. It's in Ezra 3 and it's verses 10 through 13. If you have your Bible, Ezra 3, verses 10 through 13. Verse 10, we'll just start there. It says, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord. This is a temple that was destroyed by the Babylonians. They're laying the foundation. It says, the priests in their vestments and with their trumpets. And the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with their cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord. As prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good, and his love toward Israel endures forever. You hear the shouting and the celebration. They're so glad to be back together. And it says, after all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Verse 12, but many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple they wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid while many others shouted for joy no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise the sound was heard far away do you hear the emotion in this moment there's weeping and there's joy. There's weeping. The world has changed. And there's joy. And we're back together. We're at the altar. That altar, that's where hope is found. That's where trans- transformation is found. But it's not the same. So we're, we're saying, yes, he is good. And his love endures forever. But it's weeping and joy. It's weeping and joy. And the power, guys, I'll show you the power of the story. The power is of processing our emotions before the altar of God is that it gives us the strength to move forward. And that's what I want to invite every one of us here 
to do today. Because if we will do this, if we'll come to the altar, if we'll lay our emotions before the presence of God, we can find the strength not just to go back to normal, but to actually go back to better. And that's the possibility that I'm believing today, that we have an opportunity, church family, not just to go back to normal, but to actually go back to better, to maybe go back to a better rhythm for our life. Besides that hectic pace we used to have, what if we could come back to a better rhythm? What if we could come back to better family relationships? What if we could come back to a closer relationship with God? Maybe um, to a new habit or, or maybe to something we learned about ourselves. Maybe we could come back and make the world a better place because hate, racism, and injustice have no place in the kingdom of God. What if we came back not just to normal? What if we came back to better? That's the opportunity we have. But to get to that place of better, it requires us to go through a journey before the altar of God of processing very real emotions in our heart. Are you prepared to do that today? Just like these people of God did on that day. So let me pray for us. Let me pray and we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. It has been a tough, tough season. And here we are, we're, we're beginning to experience the joy of coming back. And we just want to thank you, God. Because you've brought us through a lot of stuff, both, per, both personally and as a community. So we just want to celebrate coming through that season. We want to celebrate moving into this next season. We want to praise you because you've been Lord over it all, because you've been good in the midst of it all, because you've been present in all of it. And now we want to invite you today, Heavenly Father, to examine our hearts. Lord, we, we, we open our hearts before you today. Would you help us process the emotions of this moment so that we can do something different and not just go back to normal, but to actually go back to better. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I want to begin talking about grief. How do we need to talk about grief? We need to talk about grief because grief is what happens in our heart when we can't go back to normal. Grief is what we have to talk about when there is no going back to normal. So let's take a look at our story. Ezra 3. Ezra 3, if you're taking a look at this story, um, God's people have returned from exile. They've built an altar. Um, you know, it's, it's 50 years later. They're, they're coming back. Um, they are, they're rebuilding the temple. And the very first step of rebuilding that temple is to build an altar in the place where the old altar was. And, and I love that picture of the altar. That altar represents the place where sins are forgiven. It, it represents the place where God's people worship. It, it reminds us of Jesus Christ, right? So um, this altar is where people are gathering and what I love about this story is that that's all they've got. They've got an altar. They've got a foundation. The rest of the temple hasn't even been built. But that little bit in itself was enough for everyone to say, hey, let's get together and let's worship God. And that's what they started doing. And it's a celebration. Ezra 3, 10 to 11, it tells us 
when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. What a happy day, right? Everybody's celebrating. There's this happiness. But the next verse, it says, but many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sounds of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping. So there's this sadness. And, and, and you hear, you know, this older generation, they're there and they're grieving. Why are they grieving in that moment? And what the verse says is it says they're grieving because they had seen the former temple. At that former temple, that's Solomon's temple. And it was a temple built with this incredible glory. And they're looking at what is going up now. And it doesn't have that glory. It wasn't quite the same. And there was no going back. And they're grieving. And they're sad. Guys, what do we do when we can't go back to normal? We grieve. And it breaks our heart. There's sadness in our hearts. So I want to apply this verse very specifically to us as we begin to regather as a church family. It's a situation that's a lot like this in Ezra 3. Now, I, I couldn't be more excited to get back together as a church family. I can't wait for those doors to open and to see everybody come back. I mean, it hasn't been 50 years like Ezra, but it, it has been a long time and we miss each other. We can't wait to see each other. But in this season of a global pandemic with coronavirus, guys, when we come back, it is going to look different. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, we can't just come back and, and start hugging each other. Right? We, we, can't, we can't hug each other. We need to keep social distance. We're required to wear masks. We're, there is no kids connection. You know, parents, we're asking you, keep, let's keep our kids at our side. That's not going to be easy for us. And, and all this, guys, it's in a letter the elders sent out this week. And, and I want to encourage you to read that letter. It's very, very important. Because when you come back, you're really agreeing to hold to these guidelines that we're putting in place. And guys, I just I understand how not like hope this is. Not hugging, not... Not mingling. I mean, one of the things I love about our church is that when you come into Hope on a Sunday morning, it is like a beehive of activity. You know what I'm talking about? There's families, there's kids, we're embracing. And to come back with no hugging and distancing and masks and you know, we're fellowshipping outside, not inside. I understand how not like Hope that is. We come back and, and it breaks our heart, right? But what we're doing here is not any different than what we're going to experience anywhere else that we go. Why are we doing this, guys? We're doing this because God has called us as a church to make a difference in our community and to not just think about ourselves, but honestly, to put others first. 
And so as we're making these decisions, we are making decisions thinking about our health and safety in mind. We're making decisions thinking with our community in mind and our witness to our neighborhood in this community. We're making decisions thinking about honoring our government and our government's best recommendations. And that is what it means to be a caring place where God transforms lives. So June 28th, hold it loosely. We're shooting for June 28th. We are coming back as a church family and we're going to celebrate. Aren't we going to be glad when we come back to the house of the Lord? I am. I'm going to be so glad. But could we be sad by some of the restrictions in place? Are we grieved with some of the restrictions of coming back? We are grieved. And we understand, even as elders, we've talked about this, we understand the emotions. We're all feeling as we come back. There's, there's weeping and there's joy. So we just want to ask you, church family, we want to ask you as you come back, let's, let's come back with grace. Let's come back with the spirit of unity. Let's respect one another and let's, let's keep a positive attitude. We can do that even as we feel some sadness in our hearts. And I just want to say, if, if this isn't right for you, when those doors open up, if it's not right for you to come back on June 28th, maybe, you know, maybe you have underlying health conditions. Maybe, um, maybe it's, you know, the guidelines just... They don't work for you. It's not right for you. Whatever that is, if you're not ready to come back, we are going to live stream our church service right into your home. And we want to ask you to please stay home for now and watch the live stream. For the rest of us who gather back, it's going to be joy. And there's going to be some grieving, just like in the story we read. And it's, it's, it's that way all around us right now. I just think about the ways that this virus has altered our lives. I just believe that a lot of what we're feeling right now, coming back, is a little bit of grief. And it's a little bit of rejoicing. So I just want to ask you, we're talking about grief. How are you coping with loss right now? What are you grieving right now? Maybe it's... Social distancing. Maybe it's not even coronavirus related. How are you coping with loss in your life? Psychologists tell us there's five stages of grief. And the first stage of grief is denial. Are we in denial about some of our grief? What's the second stage? We realize we're grieving. The second stage is anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. Are you angry right now? Could be grief. The third stage is bargaining. Well, what if we did this? Or what if we did this? Or maybe this or whatever. And then we go through this bargaining and we come out the other side to a stage of depression. We've all done some bargaining in different ways. And then there's a moment of sadness, of real grief. And that's okay. It's okay to be sad about some of the things you're facing in your life. What's the final stage of grief? The final stage of grief is is acceptance. It's acceptance. That's the place where God wants to bring every one of us today. 
There's a place in Jerusalem right now. It's called the Wailing Wall. What's the Wailing Wall? The Wailing Wall is the final remnant of this temple in Jerusalem. It's the final remaining piece. And the Jewish people, they, they'll come to this wall. And they'll write their prayers on little pieces of paper. And in wailing and mourning and grief, they take these prayers written on little pieces of paper and they stuff them into the little cracks in the wall. It's the ultimate act of entrusting these prayers with the Lord. And that's what I want to invite you to do today. I want you to imagine now that you're at the wailing wall. What's, what are you writing on your card? What loss are you grieving right now in your life? And I want to invite you today, just like, just like people put that little prayer into the cracks in the wall, I want to invite you today to go ahead and to release that burden to God. Right? And even to grieve right? the releasing of that burden to God. Because I want to tell you, God is here. He is present. He is with you. And as long as God is here, hope is here. And when you let that burden go to God, when you release that grief to God and you pour out your heart to him, you, you are no longer alone. You've released that to God. He is with you. That's, that's the power of our faith. You know, the Bible says that as Christians, we don't grieve like the world grieves because we have hope. And that's the powerful moment we're in. It is an opportunity not just to come back to normal, but to actually come back to to better. But we can't do that if we don't grieve the loss of normal. So I invite you to do that today. And I don't want you to miss what God is doing in this season. So we talked about grief. Let's talk about hope. Right? Grief is the fact, maybe we, we're not going back to normal. Maybe it isn't the same. But we can rejoice because we can actually go back to better. And that's the hope that we have. That's the hope I want to share with you. Take a look at our story again. If you have your Bible, we're in Ezra 3. Ezra chapter 3. They built the altar. They've laid the foundation. The rest of the temple isn't even there. You can see them. They're coming back. They're worshiping and they're celebrating. Take a look at verse 10 and 11. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So they're celebrating. The foundation has been laid. What does that foundation represent? It represents hope. It represents a new beginning. It represents God doing something in a moment that's going to create a better future. And it's not just any foundation. It's the foundation of the temple of the Lord. And it's this idea that the presence of God is hope for tomorrow. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that in the midst of everything we're going through, that the presence of God in our life is hope for tomorrow? What a scene this is, right? You've got people weeping and you've got people rejoicing. And it reminds me actually of my son, Hudson. He is three and a half years old. He loves taking a bath. He loves playing in the bath. He's got all the toys. It's so much fun. And then I pull, I pull Hudson out of the bath and he 
just cries so many times. He's crying and crying. But that is crazy because in the midst of his crying, you hear a little giggle. And in the midst of his crying, he'll laugh. And I, he's like, ah. <laughs> and then I start doing that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and the more that I cry and laugh, the more he starts to laugh. And it's just this weeping and laughing happening all at the same time. I've never seen that in my life until uh, Hudson. It's just amazing that he does that. And, and here's this scene. You know, Ezra's like, hey, guys, it's a bit like that. You know, there is this great sound of mourning. There's a great sound of rejoicing. And it's all mingling together in this commotion, it says, that could be heard far away. Think about these emotions, right? Mourning the change, rejoicing in hope. Mourning, rejoicing. There couldn't be two more opposite emotions. And they're all happening at the same time in the same space. I want to ask you a question. It's kind of a weird question. You know, mourning and rejoicing. Let me ask you, who's right? Who's right? The mourning? Are they right? Or the rejoicing? Are they right? And the answer is, it's, it's both. Right? They're both right. And in the season, guys, we're living in, right? this is a dire Season, we've lived through one of the most traumatic seasons of our lifetime. We, we look at what's going on around us and it feels like America and the rest of the world is falling apart. I mean, it's being torn apart at the seams. And for some of us, we look at that and maybe we, you know, we tend to lean towards the negative and we begin to have these sad and negative thoughts. And it's easy to do that, to grieve and to mourn. And others of us, we, we take the positive side and we go, you know what? Right? God is moving in mighty power around our world. Amen? In ways unlike he's ever moved before. We say Jesus is on the throne and his victory is bearing down you know, in every area of our life. And that's happening too. Right? But we could be, almost be so heavenly minded. I think the challenge for us as Christians is that both are true. Both the changes that cause grief and the hope that creates rejoicing. And as believers, we really hold both of those in our heart at the same time. I love how Paul describes believers in 2 Corinthians. He describes believers as sorrowful, but always rejoicing. What a great description of us as Christians, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And somehow we're holding not just one emotion in our heart, but two emotions in our heart at the same time. There's a a great quote um, that I want to share with you, because I think we all tend to lean one direction or the other, you know, half empty, half full. But F. Scott Fitzgerald has a great quote. He says, The test of intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in our mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. That's the test right now. How do we hold two opposite emotions in our heart at the same time and still retain the ability to function? And then he says, listen to this. Then he says, one should, for example... 
be able to see things that are hopeless, and yet be determined to make them otherwise. One should be able, for example, to see things that are hopeless and yet be determined to make them otherwise. That's the hope we have today. God's using this season to build a foundation in our lives. And everything that can be shaken, it will be shaken so that only Jesus remains. But this is an opportunity Not just to go back to normal, but to actually go back to better. And that's our hope. Our hope is not in just going back to normal and doing what we did before. Our hope is that we can actually allow Jesus to lead us into something greater, into something better, into something transforming. We talked about grief. Let's talk about joy. Let's talk about hope. And I want to tell you two stories that have given me hope in the last couple of months. And I want to start with quarantine. We all know that hopeless feeling of being quarantined in our homes, not being able to go outside, not being able to see friends or loved ones. What a hopeless feeling that is. And I came across this story. It's a story about Isaac Newton. You may not know this, but Isaac Newton experienced quarantine. In fact, uh, it was in 1665 when the Great Plague, the bubonic plague, came through England. And Isaac Newton was at Cambridge at the time. Um, He was uh, Trinity College in Cambridge. Some of you college students, well, that's what Isaac Newton was doing. And in 1665, the plague hit, Cambridge shut down, and everybody went to their homes. And Isaac Newton went to his home to shelter in place and to socially distance, and to quarantine. And he did that, get this, for the next two years. Can you believe that? Two years. But Isaac Newton didn't let that time go to waste. It was during those two years of of isolation and physical distancing that he developed calculus, right? Wow, that's crazy. He had two years. He develops calculus. In those two years, he sees an apple fall from a tree. Can you believe that? And he formulates the theory of gravity. And when things started to open up and Isaac Newton begins coming out of his house, he takes the lessons he's learned from those two years, not just to go back to normal, but to actually go back to something better. And that's what you can do. That's what I can do. That's the opportunity we have. And I just think right now is the time for us to reflect. As we gradually transition out of this season, into a season of more normal life, now's the time to look back over the last few months and to go, what did we learn? What did God teach us? What do we want to take with us into the next season of our life? You know, some of us, we've craved a a slower pace of life. And maybe that's you. Before this, there was overcommitment. There was family members running in all different directions. And things slowed down. You found a slower pace of life. Maybe, maybe that's something you want to hold on to and take with you. Maybe it's a, a closer relationship. Maybe it's a better marriage. Maybe it's a stronger family. Maybe you learned something about yourself. Maybe you started a brand new habit over the last few months. You want to take that with you. Maybe over the last few months you found 
an intimacy with God. Guys, now is the time to lock that in. To say, I'm not just going to go back to normal. I'm going to take the lessons I've learned. I'm going to take what God has done in my life and I'm carrying that into the future so that I don't just go back to normal, so that I can actually go back to better. What do you want to take with you into the next season? That's a powerful question. I want you to identify that and to lock it in, to carry it with you. One more story. I've got to tell you one more story. It's another story over the last few months that's given me hope. Like many of you, I watched in horror as a black man, handcuffed, was suffocated to death under the knee of a Minnesota, excuse me, a Minneapolis police officer. And I watched in horror at the violence and the looting and the protests that followed. And I got to just be honest, as I watched a lot of that going on, I had some moments where I was really asking God, God, where is the hope? I think we can see what's happening in our country and we see our nation being ripped apart just to go, God, where's the hope? And I'll never forget coming into the office and um, it was actually Andrew. And just thank you, Andrew. Andrew told me a story. This was right after the protests and in Center City, and he said, he said, Brian, I don't know if you know this, but after all the violence and after all the protests on Saturday night, he said, Sunday morning came and everybody woke up and woke up and he said, people started coming out and they began to clean up the city right here in Philadelphia. After all that violence, after all the, the looting and burning we saw on the news the next day, people right here in Philadelphia started to come out and clean up the city. There was just something about that small act that filled my heart with hope. Maybe just like these these believers, they coming to an altar. The rest of the temple hasn't been built, but just that altar and foundation, it was just enough to breathe hope into their soul. And so as we come out of this season, what can we do to make this world a better place? Maybe it's just a small thing. What can we do to make a better neighborhood, to make a better community? What can we do? Maybe it's a small thing just to have a better home life or a better family life. Maybe it's going, you know, I need to listen to the stories of people who are different than me. Maybe it's saying, I I need some diversity in my life. our, Our family, we're praying that God would continue to bring diversity into our life. Maybe it's, Maybe it's tangible kingdom saying, you know what, after what we've been through, I need to invest more intentionally in this relationship because this person doesn't have the hope of God in in their life. And I'm just praying that through me, through this relationship that I'm building, that they'll come to know the hope of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's understanding that God has given every one of us a ministry of reconciliation. He's sending us out to bring people together, to bring them to God. And maybe it's us embracing a ministry of of reconciliation for our neighborhood and our community. Those are the powerful things we can begin to do to not just go back to normal, but to actually allow Jesus to lead us into a future that's better. So I'm just making the the choice today. Do I want to go back to normal? I want to go back to normal. But after what I've been through, 
Now, I don't, I don't want to go back to normal. I actually want to go back to something better. But to do that, friends, is to hold two very different emotions in our heart. Right? It's, it's to mourn the change. Because change is happening. And it's to rejoice in hope. Because hope is real. So to come back to better, we have to hold two different emotions in our heart. Grief and joy. And it's to come back and to build our lives on a foundation and an altar. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Only Jesus will remain. And it's to build our life on an altar. And that altar is the death of Jesus on a cross for our sins and his resurrection from the dead. And the forgiveness and new life we can have as we trust in him. That's our hope. It's the foundation of Jesus, the altar of his death and resurrection, the hope we have in the truth of God's word. And if we will build our lives on that that with each other, we can come back, not just to normal or what was, we can actually come back to better. And that's what I pray for every one of us, that as we emerge from this season, that we will come back to a way of life that is unimaginably better than what we had before. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to study your word. And there are so many real emotions in our heart right now. And I pray that you'd help us to identify them. I pray that you'll help us to take the grief and to take the joy and to begin to pour out our heart before you. And God, thank you for your presence in this. Thank you that we're not alone. And thank you that we can release all of our hopes, all of our joys, all of our sadness and before the altar of God and to find the strength to move forward. And I pray for us as a church. I pray for all of us individually that as we come forward, we would take the lessons of this season and we would begin to experience the better that you have for every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.